Pigweed here. Today we review a pale ale and discuss consciousness. Hello and welcome to Beer in Conversation with Pigweed and Crow Hill. Good evening, Crow Hill. Good evening, Pigweed. What's on your mind? Well, I had a problem with my computer recently. Yeah. The, uh, the graphics card was bad and I was you know, having to turn it off and change the card and turn it back on. And, and I was thinking, it's not going to be too long before our computers are so advanced that you're going to be about to turn the computer off and it's going to say, please don't do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like, it'll be like how. Yeah. You know, don't turn me off. Right. N- now, that's intelligence to to right. extent. Yeah. Is it consciousness? Exactly. That's that's going to be one of the big things that we struggle with. Like you're you're dealing with Chat GPT or something, some kind of some kind of artificial intelligence, and there's some intelligence there, no question. Yeah. But does it have feelings? Yeah. Right. And we're we're going to have to start wrestling with this question. How how do we know where to draw the line? And some people will think, oh, obviously. But there, there really isn't obviously here. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're, we're, it's such the first baby steps that yes. don't say obviously. Yeah. yeah. Don't be too cavalier with this. Not all that obvious. All so right. what do we got here? Well, we've got an obvious beer right in front of you. And this is a rye pale ale. I said pale ale. But this is rye. That's why it's so dark for pale ale. And it is uh, from Seven Locks Brewing in uh, Rockville, Maryland. It comes in at 62 and uh, it's pretty cloudy. Yeah, it's cloudy. It's dark. Has a funny, yeah. funny look to the surface. Yeah, the, the yeah. I didn't tell you everything about this. Okay. So go ahead and get in there, and this is a be a little bit of a huh. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah, it's almost like there's way too much rye or something. I don't know. You know, that's what I thought at first. I thought that it was a poor, poorly designed beer. Yeah. But the more I, the more I got into it. This has got other problems. You just think there's something else wrong, huh? Yes. This is, to me, this is oxidized. Hmm. Well, there's a story. That, here's a story behind this might help. Okay. Did you know Franklin's caught on fire? No. Yes. Yes. Huh. And they just now got the restaurant back, but the liquor store and, you know, they have a little gift shop, yeah, maggot right. yeah. shop or right. whatever it yeah. is over there. That's still, done, you know, Gone. closed. Yeah. And, you know, what about the, the brewery? The to-go yeah. beer. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, if you can imagine it. So it's that other half of yeah, the... Yeah. the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I was so a guy at work said, hey, come see me before you leave. One of the owners, management mm-hmm. guy. Uh-uh. Is this good? Am I getting a raise? Doesn't, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it. He got in there and he says, he says yeah, he says, I, I was at Franklin's and uh, the guy said, hey, you know, he got, was a DeMatha guy. He says, oh, you went to DeMatha? Da-da-da. Hey, Take some of that beer with you. So he loaded up a shopping cart of beer. Uh-huh. And so he brought some into work and he said, hey, you guys want to. So I took home a couple of six packs. Of beer that survived the fire. Beer that survived the fire. So keep in mind, this is free beer yeah, that they right. don't want. Yeah. And I'm checking. I thought, well, in a regular production place, mm-hmm. they have the date on them. Yeah. This is Seven Locks. It's got this little sticker right. job yeah. on there. So it doesn't have it. To me, that's what it tastes like. When I got that loose cannon, yeah, I, I got to send that Centennial beer, and I was just so excited about it. I was like, you know what? I remember it being better than 
this. Hmm. And by the time I got to the second one, I checked in, and this was it was an IPA that was 14 months old. Wow. Yeah. And that. I yeah, think that, that was what's going. That could on be. There. That could be it. It's because it's. Might I be thought. Old. Yeah, I, I. I like you. I thought it was just a bad recipe. Yeah. Until I, I drank it more, and there's just something. There's something a little funky going on. Seven walks. Send, uh, send, send us a fresh sample. We are we'll not it, blaming we'll it, you. Yeah, for give this. us. I think this send us a fresh is, or, sample, and or we'll maybe do maybe when a a beer goes through a fire. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe maybe it doesn't come out well. Reaches way. reaches near boiling point inside the can. May, maybe maybe it just gets so sad. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's I'm not going to judge you on that. But yes, okay. seven locks you can redeem yourselves yes, quite you easily. Can. You can. It's going to cost you two beers to uh, send us two fresh ones, and, and we'll, we'll be happy. Review it properly, but there's yes. this. And then, do we have anything to wash this down with? We do indeed, but it also has a flaw. Mm. So it's a, it's a flawed program today. <laughs> really gets, I hope it gets better after this. Yes, that'd be good. Uh, this is our famous dragon silk, modeled after dragon's milk. Yes, ten uh, percent imperial stout mm-hmm. that we've brewed before with much success. Yes, uh, it, it, it's a, and it's a beer that's. Improves with age. Yes. So we brew it in the summertime so that we can drink it in the wintertime, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but this is it fresh. And I thought it sat in the bottle, bottle long enough to be carbonated. Yeah, you know, I'm... So now it's entirely flat. I'm starting to think we need to have a different strategy for carbonating this this particular batch. Because this is such a high-octane beer. I think the yeast just gets tired. And there's nothing. There's not enough left in it. Not to, enough life in the yeast. So what I intended to do and uh, did not do. I wish you, version, you know. See, this would have been great because then what we'd have had a we'd have control. Had a comparison. Yeah. Yeah. What I intended to do is like a week before bottling, pitch some new yeast and some yeast nutrient to make sure that it's got some life going on in there. But I didn't do it. So yeah. I don't know how mine. See if that would have re- rescued it because yeah. my previous batch. I, d- I did. I flat as flat. I, I did. I mine did carbonate. Yeah, but you said yours yours did. Mine so. did not. I'm just hoping if you, you know, by Thanksgiving, carbonate. How about flavor wise? This one right now, the flavor is delicious. Just like just like you remember yeah. the last batch. Oh yeah, and I I just bottled mine recently, so I got to, got to taste some of it, and oh. it's a good taste. Oh. Just um, as flat as can need be. some bubbles. So I just want to warn the audience here that. Uh, this discussion of the nature of consciousness, the mind-body split, the hard problem of consciousness has been discussed at varies throughout time and particularly hard since the time of Descartes, early 1700s, and um, might not be solved in the next 30 minutes. Might not, yeah. We, we, Just, we, you mean, know, warning. We're pretty good, but we not, <laughs> might not be that good. <laughs> Right, but we might pique your interest and get you get you to start thinking about some things. So you mentioned the hard problem of consciousness. So what is the hard problem of consciousness? So it's we understand that the brain is where the thinking goes on. Yeah, we understand that it's a physical organ. Yeah, and there we understand that there are billions of neurons firing around. Yeah. How does this give rise to the subjective experience of the mind? Yeah. So we have all all kinds of organs that do their thought. I'm not controlling my heart 
right now, right? It's doing its own thing. It's yeah. digestion. Every these organs know what they're doing, and they do a good job of it. But they don't do anything like producing the subjective experience. Yeah, it's not. It's not like my my stomach is <laughs> is giving me a. Well, I mean, sometimes my stomach gives me a feeling, but it's not like my stomach having the feeling, you know, right? It's yes. still We still think yes. it's going on in the brain. But the, the question, the way I would express uh, explain the, the problem is that we when we think of things from a physical, mechanical point of view, right. we think of, you know, mass and position and energy, electric charge. We think of all these different yes. things. And the brain is one of those things. Yes. and we But we don't think of stuff like subjective experience like right now i am having a subjective experience of seeing these things and and feeling a certain way and all and all that's that's not a property that we associate with material things but in uh what they call access consciousness versus phenomenal consciousness there but things like memory yeah smell yeah. We actually can locate where in the brain this is taking place, right? We, and you can you can stick probes in there, yeah. and you can you can turn off your ability to see color. Yeah, you know, right? We know so these so these things have physical locations. Yeah, there's, we they can probably they can probably like tap someplace in your brain, and you can smell an orange. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, because. Right. If you studied it long enough, you you locate that, and right? So, and there there are other there so, are all kinds so, of so, weird things right. going on. And it, so, you would just say that this is a purely physical problem, right? It certainly seems that way because it's when, a when a, when a physical thing happens to the brain, like for example, there have been strange accidents where <laughs> yeah. people have things happen to their brain. Like there's the guy who had the the big iron rod driven up through the middle of his head, cut the corpus callosum, and he had you know the two halves of his brain separate, yeah, and that's a physical change to the brain, which changed the way he thought and his personality and all these other kinds of things. So there's definitely a physical component to all this. But what the, the hard problem is, how does a physical thing give rise to the subjective experience? This, right. It's the subjectivism of it that, that right. is the hard problem. Later on, I want to get to the materialist view, which just says that the, the, the problem doesn't even exist. Yes. But let's, let's, let's go with the problem for now. Right. And uh, the so I mentioned Mr. Descartes, yeah, and his I think therefore I am ex- mind experiment, yeah, which you know has inspired philosophy. I guess if I well, imagine they've have I always thought about mind body split or or I know they call it the Cartesian Cartesian dualism, the, right? I I don't know if you know, or maybe just the, the idea caught fire. As a result. I mean, were the Greeks thinking about that? Yes, I mean, really? you know, St. Paul talks about mind, body, and well, spirit. Well, the soul so, is yeah. kind of a... So, so you have this, yes, people have talked about souls and bodies and spirits and all that kind of thing for a long time. So I think... But there was something about that that Descartian moment that they, you know, we still call it the Cartesian problem because yeah. of him. So maybe just people were nibbling around the edges at the time and then... Maybe and he they, just systematized it yeah, in yeah. a way that made more sense. But I guess... One of the things that's odd about consciousness and this whole subjective experience is that you can imagine a human being being a completely functional human being, doing all the things that a human being does without having any subjective experience at all. Like, why does, why does a person have to have subjective experience? Couldn't they do everything that they do, speak and breathe and, you know, play tennis and do everything? 
without the subjective feeling of it. Well, could they? Or that's the question. That's that. That's it, called it is, a philosophical zombie. So, right? all right, yeah, right, right. So, this is your philosophical zombie, and I saw somebody posit this. It, it said, uh, "You know, what is the evolutionary?" Well, get into that. Yeah, all right, let's do it. What is the evolutionary purpose of subjective experience yes. if philosophical zombies are just as good as survival? Yes. Well, would they be? As why well, yeah. in an evolutionary sense you're like it's it is that con- self-consciousness that that makes you be able to produce to think more about the future, for example. Yeah. Right? So if not having this third person perspective would you really get past could you look at a pile of sticks and go you know what if i reassembled those sticks in such a way that i could get out of the rain yeah so this Uh, reminds me a little bit of that that experience when you're you're driving home from work you know you're driving the same route that you've driven a hundred times before and all of a sudden you realize i don't know where my brain has been for the last 10 minutes you know you just all of a sudden you realize i i haven't been thinking for 10 minutes and it's kind of a spooky feeling. It's like, how yeah. did I drive? Yeah. You know? did, how many red lights did I just yeah. drive? <laughs> yeah. Because you don't have any real recollection or anything that happened. Now, now what's interesting about okay, that to so me. So let's just say that. It, well, go ahead. Finish your thought. So what's interesting about that to me is that, is that why did I come out of it? It's almost like, it's almost like consciousness is not necessary when everything is normal. Right. Like when I'm just doing the rote normal thing, I'm driving down the same road, I'm doing all the stuff that I've done a hundred times. And, 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 then, and then you hear an ambulance siren. Exactly. and Or something. Something that arrests my attention and pulls me out of it. Now I'm suddenly conscious. So that at least presents a possibility of understanding the function of consciousness, which is to deal with... Because well, obviously I'm not conscious of everything. There's so many things going on in my, bi- in my body, well, in the fl- world. Let's flesh out what... Oh. Let's just talk about human consciousness, yeah. Because we we might be talking about the possibility of other non-human consciousness, but it it it, it is that it is it is the Cartesian idea that you're kind of uh, you're a homunculus, you're 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 <laughs> sitting in the back of your own brain, yeah. looking out through your eyes and experience and watching the world go by. Yeah, well, there's a lot of but, problems with that view that we can we can get into about. about. I really, it's just I, I tried to come up with an outline. It's not helping, but let's. Uh, yeah. Oh. So, so what I'm thinking is that that consciousness, the purpose of consciousness, is to bring a new, resolve a new thing. That the new thing confronts you. you know, it, it's something that takes you out of the ordinary, the rote. This new thing confronts you, and you've got to think it through. You've got, or you've got to, you got but to wait, do but something. But doesn't a deer that hears a growl? Yeah, right. Isn't yeah. he doing that? Yes, yes. Is he having? Is that? Is he having the same conscious, uh, you know, third person subjective experience that you and I are having? Would be He's a first, thinking first person. Of you. <laughs> first yeah. person. Yeah. I mean, that or or that you see your. You don't just react. You don't just experience. Yeah. You can see yourself. Thinking. That's why I kind of mean, by, in a way, in a third person sense, it's almost like you're watching yourself. Because you could, uh, there are thinking, there's thinking going on. The deer is thinking. Mm-hmm. But I think one possible explanation of what is consciousness is 
th this a, a process that's going on in your mind where you're addressing something new. Okay, let's just leave it at that. That, that consciousness is that processing of a new thing. Because when you're doing the rote thing, you're hardly conscious, you know, when you're, when you're, you know. Yeah, but you, I mean, you could be lying in your bed, staring at the ceiling, bored as hell, and think to yourself, uh, you could be bored as hell, you could also be, I am thinking about. Yes. Thinking that. <laughs> I'm bored as hell. I'm bored as hell, which <laughs> no, you know, animal, as far as I can imagine. Yes. Well, that's. Is an, thinking about their own thinking. Yes. Ex that's something where humans seem to be completely set apart, where we can, we can reflect. We can. Yeah. Think about our own thinking. We can think about our own mental be processes. Be aware that we can... we're thinking. Be aware that our brains, that our thoughts are happening, and our bodies are, and we, that we can control our bodies. Mm -hmm. So, so what I'm trying to get at with this with this idea that consciousness is when we're addressing something new is I'm trying to get to the question of what does consciousness add? Okay, so what it could add from that perspective is that's the process by which we uh, entertain different ideas and resolve them. But what still, what still doesn't make any sense to me, why does it have to have subjectivity? Even at that, even if it's like kicking up the processor to another level, right? You have, you have the one processor that just makes your body go and makes so your saying, heart So you're saying from, from, from an evolutionary perspective, yeah. couldn't we still keep moving forward? Yes. Yeah. Couldn't we even have those, couldn't we even do that, that reflective thinking? Couldn't we, like, conceptually, a computer could review its own code and do all those kinds of things. Take, take a bunch of things and compare them. And do, but we don't think that it's having a subjective experience while it's doing that. And that's the weird part of consciousness is, like, you can, you can come up with an explanation for the utility of consciousness in that, you're addressing new things, you're figuring things out, whatever. But why does it have to have a subjective component? That's the thing that's so hard. Yeah, well, do you need that to anticipate the future? So one about, I think, another aspect of being human, which having a, having a human mind and not an animal mind, is the anticipation of your own death. Mm-hmm. Right, I don't think any animal has any idea we, that we, they probably don't. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. Right. Yeah. I, I'd yeah. rather they live. Yeah, exactly, because it ain't that great. I'll just tell you about that animal world. All you fish who are listening right now, yeah. be happy that you don't worry about that. Yes, but once yes, and all those things, there, there are certainly weird mental processes that we have when we go through. I still don't understand why we have to experience them the way we experience them. All right. I don't mean to step on your toes here with a Star Trek reference. <laughs> uh, uh, do the members of the Borg ah, have consciousness? Consciousness. Wow, that's an interesting Right, question. because they're highly advanced. Yes. And they are working towards a goal. Yeah. Which is what? Maintain themselves and expand right. their... But individually, they're... they're are they experiencing any self-reflection right. or yeah. doubt or... Yeah, that's a good question. I'll, I'll ponder that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some other views of like where consciousness comes from or what it is or... or... Well, I don't want to get into panpsychism just yet. I want to get to its possible evolution. So you, there's, there's the utility... 
Yeah. There's, in a sort of, um, in an anthropological way, you would say, wouldn't you, it, it would come from the, the benefit of the cultural interaction that you get from that level of introspection. Yeah, I, I guess I once again, though, come back to the question of wouldn't it be possible to have all that introspection without feeling that you're doing the introspection? Well, uh, you know, uh, so chimpanzees certainly have sophisticated social relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have they have to plan things. They have to think. Okay, this guy's the is the pack leader right now, right. but we don't like what he's doing. So me and uh, yeah, chimpanzee one, three and four are going to take him. Right. One day my time will come. He yeah. won't, he right. He won't be on the top all the time. So now, those, but how sophisticated is that thinking? Exactly. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to imagine. There there are some things that we think about and you know write about and sing songs about and have movies about and all this other kind of stuff all these emotions that we're used to and we we work through animals have some pale reflection of that to some extent but we don't know what their subjective experience of that is is the and how will we ever how, how will we know how, how a chimpanzee feels when he's thinking about taking out the top uh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, do we want to move towards the uh, a slightly more materialistic yeah, view of that? Because yeah. I've got been working on this this uh, illustration. Okay. I call it the thirsty deer. Okay. So thirsty deer is, uh, and this is a. All right. Let's hold. Let's let's, let's define the, the the sort of the neurobiology materialist view of consciousness is that the mind is just what the, the mind is to the brain is what uh, digestive fluids are to the stomach. <laughs> it's, it's nothing mysterious. It's just the mind is what the brain does. Yeah. And it is nothing more than a consequence of that meat engine. All these processes that are doing various things. Yes. Yeah. And so, so it doesn't, you don't need the interjecting this mysterious subjectivity, even asking about something, using the word subjectivity, just gets in the way of what's actually going on, which is nothing, which is a beat engine. So th there's, right? two, there's two components to this, which I struggle with. On the, on the one hand, obviously it's true that our mental processes are going on in our brain. Right? Because they stick in the probes and like everything else. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. changes the way... I, yeah. So... So obviously, there's a physical component to all this kind of stuff. Or, now, some people want to say that's all there is is the yes, physical component. So okay. that right. So, the, so this is the materialist view, the the view of the uh, neurobiologist, the 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 brain scientists yeah. who are saying you guys are just taking it a step too far. Yes. So to the extent that they want to say that what we perceive as our uh, you know, our subjective experience and this and that. Or, for example, let's take our vision, okay? Our, we, th we think, as you said before, you know, we kind of imagine ourselves as this little homunculus in the back of our brain, peering out through the eyes at the world and seeing the world. And when people study the mechanics of vision, it's nothing like that. Well, for one thing, 
both of our both of our eyes have these huge blind spots right in the middle of our vision, which we don't even we don't see it at all. Our brain fills that in, right. and the visual our visual acuity is very very limited. It's the the things where we can actually see detail is a very small part of what we're seeing. So our mm-hmm. brain is constructing this whole image, okay, right, right. that has has that you're not actively involved in. Right? Yes. There, there, there's no subjective. I'm mechanism. not doing that. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm yes. not doing that. My yes. brain is. Doing, this is what my, the materials would say. These are, there's a there are billions of complex interactions yeah. that you have nothing to do with. You're not watching a movie yeah. inside your own head. Well, well, that's where I, that's where I'm. I kind of wonder right. where they've taken it a step too far because it's certainly true that we're not just peering out through our eyes. That what's happening is stuff is coming in through our eyes, and then our brain, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to us, is constructing this whole theater. But there Ma- is it, it, this whole is, theater. It, it is making useful sense yes. out of it, and it is it is discarding the ninety nine percent that's yes. coming in just because you can only focus on. I mean, if you had to focus on every sensory input all at the same time. Yes. And you, it's making assumptions. You'd never do you, you. You just collapse in a puddle. Yes, it's making assumptions. It sees something that looks mostly like a rabbit, and it just says, "There's a rabbit," and even though it might not be a rabbit, you right. know, and it's, it's it's incorporating uh, past experiences, yes. thoughts, books you've read. Right. I mean, you, all you of see this a, is going on. You see a stick. You think it's a snake. There's there's yeah. all the there are all these errors and other things. Okay, I get all that, all and right. that that all is right. certainly is this- a physical process. Now, what this still, despite all those things. It is still true that what is being presented to me is this this view, this movie of the world. That you can make decisions about. Yes. Which is the, the supposed Benefit, consciousness. Right. Or no, the consciousness part. Right. Because yeah. the deer is doing the same thing. He's seeing it all. It's all coming in. He's making use of it in whatever way. Yeah. Back to my thirsty... Not back to my thirsty deer. Let me start Let's my thirsty Start your thirsty deer, <laughs> yeah. yes. So thirsty deer is thirsty. And he has, and his brain, his brain is doing all the things that a deer does. He's walking around. He's worried about stra- uh, dangers, mm-hmm. uh, and he is familiar with the area. And he's like, as I recall, but no, he's not doing that. Did you ask him about his pronouns before yeah. you? <laughs> he's not doing any. He's just reacting. Yeah. His reaction is memory. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the area. Mm-hmm. Smell. I can smell the creek. Yeah. It's over that hill, but yeah. the big tree is. He goes down and he drinks. Yes. I come along. I'm also thirsty. Yeah. I'm also familiar with the area. Yeah. And I say, and I have an internal dialogue. Yes. That says, gosh, I'm thirsty. Where was that creek? Uh, mm-hmm. That tree looks familiar. Let me go up there because I've got a feeling it's on the other side. All right. of this, has, I'm hearing my own voice, my own bad grammar, everything. Then I get over the hill. I look down there. I'm like, ah, gosh, there's the creek. Yeah. That looks good. I hope I don't get dysentery. Right. So me and the deer are really doing 99.999% the same thing. Yeah. I have a much more sophisticated brain. Yeah. So I engage in this... Uh, internal dialogue Mm -hmm. and this little tiny fraction that separates me from the deer all that is is my more sophisticated brain but now I'm going to call that subjectivity I'm going to call it consciousness I'm going to give it a bunch of fancy names when the materialist is going why do you have to do that? it really is just part of the same process right so that that is 
what what I would the the little story that I've made up about the same phenomenon <laughs> right? is that we have the same kinds of instincts and drives and everything else as all these other creatures do. It's just that we think about them. Yes, right? but that's just but what they would say is that's just a little trick of the brain. It's still this trick. It's a trick of the mind meat. It's just one tiny little sliver further than the deer, and now we want to ascribe that with this grand level of significance, yeah. and they would all say, it's not significant. Yeah, see, it's not that I, I'm, not, I'm not explaining away subject, subjectivity. I'm saying, there, what, where, where are you getting this? See, see, this is where I think that like Daniel that I, Dennett. This is my Daniel Dennett defense. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really, so, I'm not really so that's the, this, that's, the, that's the Daniel Dennett version of yeah. things. And to me... He's always doing is he's trying to play like magician tricks on us. He he's trying to fool us into thinking that the thing that we know better than anything else in the world, like everything else, could be wrong. I could be in a simulation. There could be a demon manipulating my brain. You know, like yeah. all these. The one thing I know better than I know anything is that I'm having an experience of the world, <laughs> right? And he's he's trying to use these these. Little tricks and parlor games. Yeah, and I mean, this, so that, that was that was Descartes. Descartes said, "Let me just back it up." Yeah, to the point where I'm going to admit that I that the people that I'm looking out of the window, those could all be. He's talking about, he's talking about robots. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. He's looking at me, going, "How do I know that these are these are real people?" Yes. and he kept backing it up. He's going, "You know what? The only thing I really know is that." Is that I'm thinking, that I'm doubting. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Everything that I'm visu- physically, visually experiencing, yeah. maybe all of that... Could be an illusion. But, the one thing at least I know, I've got that. Yes, the one thing I know is that I'm having this experience. Yes. And, it's, and it seems to me that Dennett sometimes tries to, like, deny that and say... And say no, you're really not having that, that experience. Yes. And it's, yes. it's like, wait a minute. Yes. I, I totally agree with you. That, yes. That that's my, exactly what he's saying. I totally agree with you that my interpretation of my experience may not be exactly, precisely, mechanically what's going on. Like what we said about the the your vision. Okay. I fine. Or that you know my my sense that I have I. A constant stream of identity with who I uh, who I was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. All those kinds of things. Yes, it might be true that my subjective perception of all those kinds of things isn't quite exactly correct. But uh, it's he seems to get to the point of denying that we even have that experience, yes. which to me is just like, yes. come on, Daniel. But hold on, but that that is if you go well, let's it's the pure materialism. So you go back to. You, you look at the movement of the planets, mm-hmm. the entire solar system, mm-hmm. from a Big Bang perspective, yeah. and it is all just a result of the collisions that were started with the Big Bang and that are continuing to today with all of the laws of gravity spinning. And yeah, that was, that was right? the horrible experiment I did in 12th grade English class. Right? <laughs> that I ended up here. <laughs> but, that's, but that is what Dennett is saying. He's saying, and... and that we're we're not removed from that, we are made of that same stuff, yeah. and so we are just a continuation. The same way that there's a far there's a there's a planet a, tr- a, a trillion light years away yeah. spinning without any consciousness, without mm-hmm. any intention, yeah. is all or all of the cells in your body 
all, everything is doing that same thing, including the words that are coming out so, of my mouth. So you know that in high school, I was an atheist. And that experiment, that mental experiment, which is called something like Laplace's demon or some, something weird like that. And um, so that experiment, I had basically the same experiment where I was imagining if I had perfect knowledge of the universe and I knew where every particle was, I knew all the laws of you physics. You weren't paying attention to class, were you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so if I knew, if the universe consisted of two ping pong balls and that was all there was, I could predict, you know, what they did yeah. for all eternity. They get five ping pong balls, same thing, a zillion ping pong balls. If all the universe is, is all these objects interacting with one another yeah. and doing things, That's it. then you can just go frame by frame by frame, forward or backwards, and predict exactly what's going to happen. Yes. Okay. So here's what happened you to me. You knew all the rules. Yeah. And all of the, yeah. So here's what happened to me in 12th grade English class. I'm, I'm running this experiment backwards and forwards in my mind. And then I, then I realized, okay, the logical result, in other words, what I'm saying is, <laughs> the logical result, the all logical right. physical, Curly, mechanical, yeah, <laughs> the logical, physical, mechanical result of the Big Bang <laughs> yes. is me sitting here in English class yes. thinking about that. Yes. And then I, in that instant, I said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever <laughs> heard of in my life. <laughs> because, now, because there's a certain things, certain things follow. One, that's just stupid. Uh, uh, two, uh, free will is gone. Yes. Right? Right. So, yes. so every thought, Daniel Dennett standing up there giving a TED talk, mm -hmm. what is d denying free will was determined to right determined by the actions of the big bang yes to be there giving that giving talk. that talk yeah it makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> it makes yeah. absolutely no sense no it does i mean <laughs> i mean yeah i mean you have to get rid of a few things but if you buy it if it's the purely material why why is that why is that why is you having that experience different than the the the, the, the tree falling in the front yard that just came from the inevitable right. consequences of the yeah. big bang if you're if you are nothing more more sophisticated version of the atoms that are molecules that make up that tree and the thoughts are also this is the this is how we get back to consciousness okay right if the thoughts are also yes. just a, a, a reflection a result of these uh, you know, molecules in, right. in, in neurons yeah. and in, interacting, yeah. then 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 everything, it's so crazy. Everything is equally meaningless and equally okay. meaningful. Well, then there's yeah. if I take it to the next level now, then then, then it really gets ugly. Okay. Well, not only do you, not, not only do you not get not only do you not get free will, you get pure meaninglessness. Yes, exactly. Because everything means nothing. But right, I, so panpsychism before get we get because we still have, we still have to get to the whole theological mystical. Uh, yes. Okay. So let's get into panpsychism. So panpsychism is the idea that subjective experience or consciousness or something like that is a fundamental property of the universe, and yeah. that it just sort of manifests itself in different degrees in different places. And that sounds absurd. And I like to think of it this way. I was listening to this podcast about chess one time and how AI systems play chess. Okay. And this guy was explaining the way an AI system figures out the next move in chess. And it's essentially nothing like the way humans figure out the next move in chess. Huh. It's nothing like it at all. And somehow or other, this, this got me down the path of thinking about you know, they were talking about, is the AI system 
conscious? Does it ha- does it have quality? All that kind of junk. Right. And if you start if you start with matter, kind of like the ex- my twelfth grade experiment. If you start with matter and say add this, add this, add this, add this, why does it ever come to the point of being conscious that I've experienced? But what if you do this instead of starting with atoms and you know physical laws? Instead, why don't we start with ourselves and say, okay, I know I'm conscious, therefore I assume you're conscious, therefore I assume other people are conscious. You know, maybe a chimpanzee is conscious to a certain level, maybe a dog is conscious to a certain level. So instead of going up the chain from physical stuff to humans, let's go down the chain from humans down down the line, kind of. Without so <clears throat> without explaining how this happens. Yeah, exactly. There's a they the they posit that consciousness is connected to complex information processing and information integration. So you are bringing together not only this high level of uh, mental uh, of neurons firing, mm-hmm. you are integrating right so you're bringing together so, you know, but isn't the deer doing? Is it, he's bringing together smells, sounds, memory right. that he's not aware of, just in the same way that we're not aware of. But because of our advanced, once you hit, once you hit peak integration, yeah, then mind bursts forth. Yeah, so that so that's... I, which is sort of a thing that's kind of. Accepted without explaining. Yes. Which it, it, it. it's, it's kind of weird. And and I was mentioning this before, but it's kind of like gravity is a fundamental property of the universe. And this this can opener has some gravitational attraction to my body because it's it's just you know it, it has, has mass. it has mass and I have mass and so therefore but it's so trivial as to be ignored. Like you can't you can't conceive of the significance of the gravitational attraction of the things they're just irrelevant you have to be really big before matter so yeah. if you yeah. could believe in just the same way right that the the number of neuron connections yes. has to reach however as you work your way down to you know to a monkey to a deer to a mouse to a slug right it it, it fades away it fades so, it fades so, away but but Never reaches non-zero. Exactly. It's always non-zero. Yes. So, so that would be the thing. It's kind of like just as some little thing has gravity, even though it's trivial, in the same way, a pebble has consciousness, even though it's it's trivial. It, it doesn't make any sense. Right. But then the question becomes, what are these things that you're collecting together to make consciousness? Like with mass, with gravity, we know it's just mass. You get yeah. enough mass together, you have gravity. But what are the things that have to assemble to make consciousness? And I think that's what you were getting at with the the processing, information processing. and Right. So, right. so by working your way backwards, you're going, all right, certainly... Certainly, the deer is experiencing something that is not the subjective experience mm-hmm. that we have. But it's not completely unlike it either. But it's not completely unlike it. Yeah. And it's kind of like as you work your way down, smaller and lesser and lesser and lesser, but something. And that is also where you get a sort of um, 
you know, you, now you get into Deepak Chopra area. Yeah. Now yeah. you know where everything is consciousness, right. and yeah. it's, it's the it's the fundamental principle of the universe. But I I, I don't I don't know what you do. Let me ask you this question: point. If you had the choice between, if you had the choice between everything in the universe is explainable by matter and energy, or everything in the universe is explainable by mind, yeah, which which would you think is more likely to be true? More like the well, all right. I mean, can I answer it two ways? Okay. Uh, what's more likely to be true is the materialistic deterministic view. The what, what I find most satisfying is the free will consciousness. I have control. I have agency. Uh, my life matters. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like right. you know, in a way, I feel like like. Even if I bought a hundred percent bought bought into determinism, you can't live your life like that. Yeah, you still you still have to live with the illusion. If free will is an illusion, you, you even if you're Daniel Dennett, you still have to live. You it. live with you live yeah. your life with in the belief of free will, despite the many books you write or lectures you give about the fact that you don't have free will. Yeah, so I, I would I would take the other position. In terms of likeliness, okay. sim- simply for this reason, all right, bring it. That if you take, like, we think of this this object here as yeah. as an object, but when we look, we know that it's actually just a bunch of protons and neutrons and electrons. Like most of this objectness is empty space. Yes. Okay. And then when you get down to the protons, neutrons, and electrons, they're just like waves and things. They're they're not like the idea that there's some stuff, some physical thing, to that thing becomes less and less likely at the, the more the, the more you look quantum into quantum level yeah the more you look into the physics of it it's like it's like maybe at the bottom of everything there really isn't anything that it's all just you find it more satisfying no i'm not finding, right. i'm not saying i find it more satisfying right. i'm i'm saying that that the deeper you look into the thingness of things it's almost <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like there's nothing there it's just it's just waves and and i don't know something else so it seems to me that if I had to choose between just there just being stuff in the sense that I thought of it when I was in tenth grade, and or there just being mind, I would choose just mind. But I don't know. See you in Deepak Chopra. <laughs> yeah. So, which brings us to so we talked about panpsychism, which is weird, but you know has some interesting ideas to it. Let's get back to to good old Rene Descartes and the idea of there being some sort of dualism, the 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 physical things and then something else, the spirit, the soul, or whatever you want to put on top of that. Yes, yeah, so if you took your if you were able to map your brain onto silicon mm-hmm. and download everything in your brain and all of the synaptic relationships would be would be maintained right is that you because that's pure mind right that's mind it's not even so there's no zero body at all yeah uh how do you feel about that exactly and that that's that's a tough question and uh, sorry i'm gonna make a star trek (laughs) because (laughs) this is exactly what what the big question was with the transporter because the way the transporter works is it basically looks at who who you are, scans you, everything about you, down to the 
quantum level. Oh, I see. And then basically destroys you here and recreates you over there. Which could only be done in a material way. Yeah, exactly. So the question is, is the thing that shows up on the other side really you? Yeah. And right? is it taking, is it your, uh, if, if your thoughts and memories don't have any physical attributes to them, yes. how can they be broken down by the transporter right. and transported? Yeah, yes, yes. So there is a very compelling case that there's something, okay, I don't want to get into the whole question of spirits and ghosts and all that kind of stuff, but let's talk about things that we know of that are very, very real that don't seem to be material. Okay, like the number one or or um, the laws of nature, you know, the, the, the laws of the way things work or the laws of logic or uh-huh. there's all kinds of things that we know to be true and are very, very real in some sense. How about love? Is that, is that even real? I mean, come on. <laughs> My age. Well, you young people can believe in it. Ah, that's right. Yeah. But there are a lot of things that are not material things, but are nevertheless true and real. Like gravity or, you know, other kinds. But it's only real because you have physical evidence of its reality yes uh, if not uh, is it real well i mean a thought is real but uh, but uh, materialists would say yes because it is because it's a it's a physical process residing in some location in your brain yeah and that, and, and, and that and may be true you could get in there and scramble it and that thought will be gone yes and, and that's you could drink that's too very, much and that thought would be gone that's very possible so it's very possible that all the things that we think of as our you know our spirit and our soul and all that kind of are just like emanations and penumbras from, from what's, going, <laughs> what's going on inside of our brain. Which All right, is, before you give it, can I just do a quick God, uh, Adam and Eve thing? Yeah, here, okay, right? yeah. All right. so, so the theological perspective would be, well, yes, God created consciousness so that man could have a personal relationship with God. I saw this in a, in a, you know, a divinity professor and a right. scientist, and that's what his response was. When I thought, and I thought, I kind of got the feeling that... The eating of the forbidden fruit was the beginning of consciousness. Oh. And if that's the case, God expressly said, don't do that. Yeah. So, it's, so, it, so he, he, the theologian is saying, or the, or the, the yes, the theologian is, is saying, the reason you have that is because God gave that to you so that you could contact him. And I'm going, says right there in Genesis, well, I don't did think, not want you to do that. Well, so I don't think that... That's an interesting idea that the eating of the forbidden fruit was the beginning of consciousness. It was the beginning of the consciousness well, of sin. But it was also, but, but it was a self, but it was a self awareness. Oh gosh, I didn't know I was naked until now. <laughs> that is, that is right? bizarre. I mean, it is yes. self aware. It is self awareness. It is self awareness. Yes. So, but did, I don't did, think. Did, but I, I, I don't think. I don't think any theologian would argue that Adam and Eve were not conscious before the fall. Just obviously their consciousness changed in a, in a radical way. But I don't think anybody would argue that they weren't conscious before the fall. Well, I, well, I associate consciousness with self-awareness, and self-awareness seems to be the very first thing that happened when they hmm. went, oh, jeez. Hmm. Well, realize that. What the <laughs> heck is going on here? Okay, I mean, that's, that's a fair point, and, but it is a particular but, but, although, kind of self-awareness. Yeah, it, it is, and... It, that argument would would be to say that the you you they did not have a relationship with God before eating 
the forbidden fruit, but obviously they did. Obviously they did. Yes. Right. Yeah. And you're right, because Adam's like, dude, I'm so bored. (laughs) All right. All right. I'll give you a woman. I'll give you a woman. All right. So, yes, there was a relationship going on. So that doesn't. That, that, that boy doesn't uh, strike that. <laughs> anyway, I just got to thinking about Adam and Eve and consciousness and fruit, and now we're rolling up on an hour. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, so to wrap this together, I think, I think the— <laughs> Good luck, I, I think the, the important thing is we all have to come to terms with the, some of these questions because it really honestly is being forced upon us by— Technological technological advancement. We're no, all the, the, we're all, all going to be faced with seemingly, pardon me, intelligent computers, robots. Yeah. Whatnot. Yeah, there are a lot of areas of philosophy that are are centuries old. Science of the mind and philosophy of the mind are hot hot topics, and as they are hot, and as they intersect with. Uh, intelligence AI, yes. AGI. It's it's it is a so very important subject. Yes, yes, right. There's all kinds of philosophers that just just do it just because they like to sound yeah. smart and smoke a pipe. But uh, this is real. It is real because at, at some point we're going to have to answer questions like, do robots get to vote? You know, and <laughs> other other kinds of practical things, and it's going to come down to these kinds of questions. Yeah. It is well. Uh, well, so like we said, we solved that pretty quickly. <laughs> it's all solved, now, guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably shut that if, down. If something is not. If something is not clear, write us and, and we'll, yeah. we'll clear it up. And for yes, you. and if you run into any philosophers that are confused, just refer just them to, to refer them to this show, and they'll, it'll clear them up right straight uh, away. All right, cheers. Crowhill here. Thanks so much for listening to Beer and Conversation with Pigweed and Crowhill. If you like the show, please tell a friend or share it in whatever way seems appropriate to you. We also have a website, beerandconversation.com. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at pigweedshow at gmail.com. Thanks so much. See you next time.